think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there, where your two old bloggers been commenting publicly on your Minnesota Vikings for over two decades, peace publicly. And today is going to be no different. We're going to continue with that. We have three themes as usual. The first one is Aaron Rodgers was traded to the Jets, as we all know. What does that mean for the NFC North and who's the best quarterback left? I hope to see some Fellow NFC North teams start to come in the feed and argue. We'd love <laughs> to see that. Second theme, speaking of Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is a master at contract negotiation. As we saw this week in his press conference, he was asked about why he didn't get an extension, etc. He's got said he's got to play for it. Is that a good thing? Will he make a lot of money afterwards? Let's hope so. Let's hope he takes us all the way to the Super Bowl and we have to pay him. And thirdly, we're going to start looking at each one of the draft picks, the regular draft picks, starting with round seven and Mr. McBride. Is he our running back of the future? We're going to find out next on Two Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents... This week in Vikings land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey everybody, Dave here once again. We're about to get started, but first, as usual, how are things in the great white north, Darren? And he freezes. Of course that happens today. He was telling me how gorgeous it was. Absolutely beautiful sunshine temperature up near 20 degrees Celsius, and it was beautiful. And what happens? He freezes up. Well, we'll get by. No problem. He'll come back in, I'm sure. There, I want to welcome everybody to the show. Mary, Justin, Davey. Uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Raymond, good to see you. And who else have we got? Anthony, good to see you, my man. And 
as you can see, Darren is back. He is unfrozen. That is a good thing. Must be the solar storm. And yes, there is a solar storm hitting the northern hemisphere. Uh, the northern lights should be beautiful up where you are. It would be, but it's not very dark these days. <laughs> so kind of hard to see them. <laughs> or we're getting into like the uh, four four hour darkness stage of the year. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. Wi Wi Fi went out like right as we started the show, so that's what happened. I don't know if that's solar storm related. It it happens quite quite frequently. <laughs> oh. Hey, Aaron, how are you? We're doing great. We're about ready to get this started with the first theme. Let's switch over to that screen real quick. We titled this episode, Who is the NFC North's Best QB Now That Aaron Rodgers Is Gone? For most of us, that's an easy question. On to theme one. Ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> yeah, damn, damn straight, Davey. Uh, with all the talk of, uh, of like the draft stuff going on the past couple of weeks, um, didn't really get to dive in last week about the most, I think the most significant thing that happened to the Vikings and the NFC North was April 25th. Officially Aaron Rodgers got traded to the New York jets for a boatload of draft picks. And so he's gone. Like you say, which is dead out of the NFC North, not going to have to face Aaron Rodgers maybe ever again, depending on how long he plays. I don't think <laughs> he's going to play another, I don't think he's going to play another four years. So, uh, but, but that was like, that's a, that's a huge deal obviously for, uh, Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions and that team from Wisconsin, the, the Green Bay mm -hmm. Packers, uh, because uh, you, you know with I, I think we've always you know we've heard about how Rodgers dominated the Vikings over the years. His stats were ungodly against us, but just overall, you know, in his 15 seasons with the Packers, just going to throw out some stuff here um, in the 15 seasons with the Packers with Rodgers as their starting quarterback, that team from Wisconsin made the playoffs 11 times. So 78% of the time, basically they're making the playoffs every year. And the one, one of the years that the they didn't make years, it was, yeah. yeah. One of the years they did make it was, you know, he barely played cause he walked into, into the bar <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and that was the end, end of his season. Right. So, but so 11 playoff appearances in 15 years, one Super Bowl. Five NFC Championship game appearances, only one win, thank God, and they made the they won the NFC North eight times. Compare that to the Vikings, uh, not maybe not as lopsided as you would think, but still the Vikings in 15 years that Rodgers was quarterback, starting quarterback for the Packers, uh, they made the playoffs seven times. Uh, they didn't win a Super Bowl. Uh, I think we're all aware of that. Uh, they went to two NFC Championship games. One was a very close loss, and one was a horrific beatdown. Uh, and then they, they won the NFC North five times during those 15 years. Clearly, the, the Green Bay Packers were the superior, the dominant team in the NFC North during that time. Part of that is because 
They're, they've been for a number of years a well-run organization, whether it was with Ted Thompson as general manager during that stretch, and then Brian Gutkunst, who's mm-hmm. there now, probably didn't pronounce his name right, but they've been Close a well-run enough. organization. Yeah, they've been a well-run – who cares what it's, what it's pronounced, eh, Dave? But yeah. they've been a well-run organization, and that's partly uh, done well, drafting and developing players, acquiring occasional guys in free agency to help them. Uh, so that has helped them – be the dominant team, but you know, quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. And they had Aaron Rodgers that was whole 15 years. He was either, and having Rodgers meant you had one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. Some years he was the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a huge, huge advantage for the, for the Packers during that stretch. And to not only was he one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, which is a huge advantage, but he was far superior to most times to what anything that the the Vikings trotted out there, or, or the Bears or the Lions. I, so a yeah, doubly huge advantage within their division. Uh, well, that ain't the case anymore, right? They've got it's Rogers is gone. Let's clap. Let's cheers. Rogers is gone. They're turning the reins over to Jordan Love at least for the time being. Um, Jordan Love's got 83 career passing attempts in going into his fourth season. A huge unknown factor. Just got uh, extended we, too. Yeah, he did, uh, but they did it in a way that it's it's pretty reasonable for them, and they don't have to pick up that 50-year option, which would be quite expensive for a guy who would be only starter one year, and you don't know what you're going to get. But Jordan Love, huge, huge question mark as to what his level of play is going to be. You know, even if he becomes a, a pretty, you know, a good quarterback in the short term. I have a hard time believing that he's going to play at the level that Aaron Rodgers played at in his 15 years with, with Green Bay. I think very few people would expect that he would do that. Or Brett Favre before that, yeah. Yeah, considering those two guys are – one's a Hall of Famer and the other guy is going to be when he retires. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's, a, that's going to be a step down for the Packers as a team, and, and that's a huge opportunity for the Minnesota Vikings right now. Coming off a 13-4 and four season, they've got a chance now with Rodgers out of the division to uh, become, you know, kings of the north. They not, But not just the occasional year when the Packers have a down year or Rodgers gets injured and doesn't play very much, which happened in 2017. They've got a chance to be kings of the north, be that dominant NFC North team like the Packers have been, like the Vikings were in the 70s. That's the opportunity ahead of them. And... They've got, I think, a head start on that right now because at least coming up because I think if you, again, if quarterback's the most important position in the NFL, and it is, the Vikings right now, I think, have the best quarterback in the division. Um, it's Kirk Cousins. He's, he's shown that with his level of play. I think that you'd consider him to be the best quarterback in the NFC North right now, and that's an advantage for the Vikings. But, you know, he's not head and shoulders above particularly Jared Goff, if you look at the way Goff has played the last year and a half with the Lions. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but you know, like, <laughs> this, I, I think the, the, the stats show that, right? Uh, it's not that Kirk Cousins has played that badly. It's just that Goff has played that well uh, mm-hmm. in the past year and a half. So, you know, that's a thing. And, and we also know that Cousins, he's going to turn 35 in August. He's not going to be around and for another decade, he's not going to be playing at the level he's played at, you know, the previous five seasons with the Vikings. Who knows how long that level of play is going to be? Maybe the drop-off is going to happen quite quickly. So 
we could go from having the best quarterback in the division to maybe the third, second or third best quarterback in the division um, in, in a short period of time. Um, and the Vikings don't have that clear path to a, a succession plan uh, for the, for post cousins. So, but if you look at the rest of the division right now, uh, who would be that team? And this is going to pay me to say it. Who'd be that team that's got the franchise guy potential. And for me, that team that has the opportunity that has that franchise potential franchise guy would be, I hate to say it, but the Chicago bears uh, because they got Justin Fields. He is, I know his first two years have been pretty rough for him. Uh, he hasn't had much to work with in Chicago as far as offensive playmakers. Uh, but if you compare his rookie season to last year, he improved on his play, particularly in the second half of the season. Passing was a bit more efficient, again, with very little to work with on the outside and a horrible offensive line blocking for him. And the guy rushed for well over 1,000 yards, and if he hadn't missed the last few games of the season, he would have set an NFL record for rushing yards mm-hmm. for a quarterback, I think. So, uh, you, you know, if you look at – when you look at the NFC North uh, and the quarterbacks that are in play right now, Cousins and Goff are guys that you know what you got with them. They are who they are. Probably not really any upside to those guys. They're going to continue to play at the level a little bit below what they're playing in in the upcoming years. Jordan Love, just don't know what we've got with him. Huge question mark there. Maybe he'll be good. Maybe he'll be a total bust. Hopefully it'll be the latter. (laughs) But Fields is the the guy who's young enough, talented enough, and has enough upside and potential that – I think if you're looking again, if you're looking at a guy, a potential franchise quarterback, a guy who can take a team and make them a perennial playoff and Super Bowl contender, I hate to say it, but it's the Chicago Bears, not the Minnesota Vikings right now, who have that, who have the opportunity to become perhaps the the consistent kings of the North now that the the witch from the West. They still have to. Complete their rebuild. I mean, there they were, do. This year, do. the Bears went where a lot of the heavy bodies down on both sides mm-hmm. of the line. They've got to continue to work that, and then get some some more tools, more weapons, and they don't have that yet. So it's going to be interesting. They don't. Hey there, Norse Force. How you doing? They don't, but they've made some steps in that direction with free agency mm-hmm. and in the draft. And they're going to continue to do that from next year and beyond. And and for me, I'm not looking at just 2023 and even 2024, but I'm looking at, you know, from 2024 up to 2030, really. And that's where if you got fields at 23, 24 years old uh, with the talent that he has, he could take if he becomes what his his talent suggests he could be. He's the guy that might be able he's a guy that could be that dominant quarterback in the division who can take the bears and make them a real problem for the rest of the NFC North for a long, long time. As much as I would hate to see that happen. And as much as it hasn't happened in Chicago for what, six decades or so. <laughs> well, it's no, since the eighties. Um, yeah. I, well, and for quarterback, no, Jim McMahon was good, but not that if golf is 28, is that right? What I'm reading Raymond? He he's is, 28. Yes, yes. He's got he's got some years ahead of him, and then still, I'd throw Detroit ahead of the dysfunction in Chicago, probably more than that. But hey, 
We drafted a quarterback in the fifth round. Maybe he develops. Who knows? Maybe Kirk Cousins, you know, does the Tom Brady avocado diet or something like that and stays alive and gets better. Last year, we saw signs of him starting to head over that hill when it came to some of the raw stats, but we also saw improvement uh, when it came to the mentality part, the part that always failed him before. He got a lot better at that. Sort of wish we had Kevin O'Connell years before. Uh, I think we would have had a better chance, but we shall see. Yes, we have the oldest QB in Kirk, I think, in the division, in all the NFC now. But, um, yeah, we're up there. That brings us to theme two. Speaking of Kirk Cousins, contract Tuesday. Yeah. Yes, Dave. Um, this week, Cousins had his first, I think, uh, presser since the, the season ended, I, I believe, unless I missed something. Um, and and so, that, you know, opportunity again to hear from Kirk and, and uh, read the tea leaves and all that stuff. But, uh, but, you know, there are certain things, Dave's in an off season, you know, it, you've seen it where um, there's like storylines, there's mm -hmm. uh, things that, that hang over a team that can become distractions. And th that's the last thing I think, you know, one of the last things a team really wants a serious injury to one of your star players like cousins is the last thing you want, but, but you don't want like a, the, the media narrative to be constantly about something negative about your team. And unfortunately for the Vikings, they, the potential was there, there was, there was a potential for this because you had um, with the, the way that Kirk's contract situation has played out, where the Vikings decided, or both sides decided, that they weren't they weren't going to extend him again, at least not at this point. Uh, and what they did was uh, they reshuffled some money around in his contract. They gave, which was good. They gave it gave the Vikings some cap space, which they really needed. They added some void years to Kirk's contract, and, but but they didn't, but they didn't extend him. And so essentially, he's he's set to be a free agent after this season, depending on, right. on what goes with the contract. Um, so that has led to a lot of speculation, as we know, about that Cousins, after this year, the Vikings are ready to move on from Kirk. Uh, he's done after 2023. Uh, they're going to go in another direction, which is what some fans have been crying about for, seems like, since he got here. <laughs> and, uh, and, or before. Uh, and that, um, or before, yeah. It, it, we'll see. And we'll still have to pay for him next year, no matter what. Yep. Twenty-eight yes. and a half million dollars, no matter what. Oh. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, that that sort of thing can be something that is going to keep on getting asked uh, over and over and over through the season. And depending on the locker room you have and the type of players you have, that can be become a bit of a sore point and, and even a fracture point for teams in the locker room, especially if sometimes when players get asked about this sorts of thing in a con in a con in in the off season. What they say, a comment or two here and there, can allow that storyline to like just live on and on and mm -hmm. on. Get fertilized and, and grow. Get fer yes. And so the head coach always has to speak about it almost every time they go to the podium. The, the, court, the player in question does. 
it's even some of his teammates have to answer to it. And that can be really annoying for them. And again, it's, it, I think it, it can lead to one of those hey, distract distractions that teams don't want. Well, cousins this week in his presser, I think he handled, he got asked those questions as we knew he would. And he handled it like a first ballot hall of famer. I thought mm-hmm. he gave him, he gave a master class on how players in the NFL and the rest of professional sports should handle questions about what's your con, you know, how do you feel about your contract situation? Um, and, and I wanted to talk about that because I think it's important. I think it's important for the unity of the team. I think it's important to, you know, put that, put that fire out as best you can, as early as you can, and just get people focusing on football, on what's happening on the field and not what's happening off the field, like contract situations. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody saw what Kirk said. There was lots of stories about it, but you know, the first thing that that was really important for Kirk to say, and, and we know these guys get a lot of these guys get media training, especially the people that are going to be up in front of the podium all the time, like the quarterback, like, like the, the face of your franchise. But the first thing he said was, well, when he got asked about his contract situation was, well, you know, really, I'm just looking forward to this year, uh, this season and, and playing. And that is important because that's exactly the same message that Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa have given the public and the press when they've been asked about it this season. Uh, and that's important because it shows they're all in lockstep on this and giving all the same, on the same message. page. Same page, giving the same message to fans, giving the same message to the media that goes out to fans and everybody else. And it show, it's also important because you don't have a star player contradicting what the head coach and the general manager are saying, which again will feed the fire of a, of a, you know, of a, and make something a distraction and a controversy and puts the focus on off Please the field and crap, puts the fo- focus on off the field crap and not on the field where it needs to be. So that was big. I thought that was an a, important thing for Kirk to say. The, the other thing, a couple of other things I liked about how he handled those questions was he showed a lot of, I think, humility and self-awareness in his answers. The big thing he said was in the NFL, like there should never be any entitlement by a player. So, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a huge thing to say because it, basically he's saying again is that, hey, I am not entitled to a better contract. I'm not even entitled to a starting position on this team unless I earn it, unless I prove that I, I, I deserve a better contract, that I deserve to be the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. And I think that that's again, an important um, to let the, you know, to let the fans know, to let the media know and let your teammates know that, Hey, I am not above the team. I do not think I deserve more than what I earn. And that's I think goes in total opposite to how we've seen some other quarterbacks and players, you know, uh, attack that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Like the guy we were just talking about earlier, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> who's got like a wish list of players that he needs. You know, when he moves to the right, team he wants or, all his receivers that he liked. And and even his last few years in the Packers, where he'd be like displeased about who they drafted or who they didn't draft. Well, Kirk Cousins isn't having any of that, and I think that that is big in his comments and what he said, and really will go a long way to showing you're a team leader and showing that you're on the same page with everybody on your team and in your front office. And I think it's also something that the fans like to see. It's important that they like to see that the player recognizes that if he doesn't give his best effort 
every practice, every film session, every game, every season, then that player expects that he is going to potentially be replaced, that he potentially is going to be playing in a new town, that he potentially is not going to get that big fat contract extension that he would like to get. Uh, you know, I think fans will appreciate that. And I also think that uh, that th- those were words that, that Kirk Cousins said, and words are words are wind, like George R. R. Martin says in the in the uh, Game of Thrones books. But mm-hmm. I think that Kirk Cousins, it's not BS from him. I think he actually believes that uh, because if you look at his career, he talked about it in the presser in high school. He coming into his last year, his senior year, he didn't know if he was going to get any scholarship offers. Coming out of Michigan State, he didn't know if he was going to get drafted really or where he was going to get drafted. When he got drafted, he wasn't a high draft pick, and there was a quarterback picked in the first round, high in the first round, ahead of him. So his, and and then when he became finally became the starter, the team that drafted him wouldn't commit to him long term to be their starting quarterback. So he's had to constantly prove that he belongs, that he deserves to be where he is, and I don't think that that is going to be something that's going to leave him. So when he says, "I have to earn it, I have to prove it, I have to win football games." Uh, I think he believes that. And, you know, along with it being a great message to send out to everybody, I think he actually believes that, which I think has also helped him in the locker room. I think that's one of the things that we've seen him grow over the particularly last year is that he's become, I think, much more comfortable being that face of the franchise and being the guy that that, that is expected to speak on the state of the team. Um, and I think that it, Kevin O'Connell coming over and believing in him has made a big part of that. I think, you know, the other big thing that he said in that presser was that when he got asked, do you want to stay here? He said, absolutely. I want to be in Minnesota. I want to end my career here. Now we don't know how much that, what it's going to take to keep him here. It it won't be cheap if it happens, but again, that's something that fans love to hear. They don't want to hear a guy humming and hawing and saying, "Ah, I don't know, or I don't know if this team appreciates me enough. You know, they got to show, they got to show me the love. Kirk Cousins, again, didn't say any of that. And I think all of those things in this presser has really set a good tone for the offseason to kind of like dampen the potential fire about his contract situation. Is this Kirk Cousins last year in the with the, the Vikings? And what's the plan beyond that? And Kirk, are you upset that they didn't extend you and all that stuff? You're dreaming if you think it dampens it. It's going to be, a especially nationally, a talking point throughout the season, especially if the uh, Vikings are good, right, and we, which we anticipate and get along, you're going to hear Shrags on Good Morning Football go, hey, and he's doing the highlights, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins this week, just beat the heck out of Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. But he's a free agent at the end of the year. What are the Vikings going to do? That you're going to Be prepared, fans. You're going to hear a lot of that all season long. And don't cave. Don't cave. No. Never cave. Not until he's at least to the NFC Championship. Don't cave. Because he will disappoint you otherwise. The I guess, team- you know, for me, Dave, what is important, though, is that those things aren't – the, the fire isn't a self-induced, self-inflicted fire. Uh, that that's not something that Kirk Cousins is creating. It's not something that the front office is creating. It's not something that players are creating. It's something that everybody outside of it is. And I think if, when everybody outside of it is doing it, it's a lot less of a going to be a lot less of an impact on the team 
Um, and uh, so again, you know, I thought the way Kirk Cousins handled it initially and was fantastic. And I applaud him for his comments and the way he did it. And uh, again, sets us up to like go into OTAs and everything else uh, with like, okay, how are the rookies performing? Uh, how is Brian O'Neill coming back from his uh, partially Achilles tendon tear? You know, how is Ed Ingram progressing in his second year? That that sort of stuff. Who's going to be the running back? <laughs> the starting running back. <laughs> we'll get into that in theme three. I do want to answer yes. um, or acknowledge Aaron said he didn't sell his house. Yes, Aaron, you are 100% correct. I actually think he loves, he and his family love being in Minneapolis and uh, the Twin Cities area, living up there. I think they, the memories they're generating, the kids are in probably in very good schools. I, I actually think they love being there. Now, if he does great, like we all hope this season, and we go a long way, NFC Championship, Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, you know, maybe he'll give a hometown discount for once. Who knows? We shall find mm. out. Uh, but if not, he's he knows he's on his last year and he has motivation. Let's see how he plays in a contract year. It's it's going to be interesting. Has Flores ever had a top ten defense? I do believe so, Giantano. I would have to uh, look it up though. I'd have to look it up too, but I believe 2020, the Dolphins did have a top 10 defense, both in the regular statistics and also with the, the analytics stuff. With the DVOA and things like that. Yeah. 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 Speaking uh, of DVOA. Bob Sweet said that uh, Kirk looks ripped. He, I thought he did look a little bit bigger and more buffed in that presser <laughs> too. <laughs> I don't know whether that, how much of a difference that makes in his play. I, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, something uh, to note anyway. Uh, speaking of advanced statistics, I sent you a link earlier that I want to file for later, but I want to let folks know. Though we are not officially a part of Daily Norseman anymore, I still write for Daily Norseman. I have tons of friends over there. They are great, great people. Warren Ludford did a piece on DVOA and explaining DVOA that posted this morning that was very, very good. If you have not seen it, go check it out. Oh, very, uh, very hopeful, too, as far as uh, like yeah. out outlook on the Vikings in 2023 and how things might shape out for them. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings us to theme three. <laughs> theme three. Dwayne McBride. Yes, David. Last week was all about the draft. I, I did mention at the end of the show that uh, for the next six weeks, we'll be looking at each each week, we'll be looking at one Vikings draft, draftee, and that I was going to start with Dwayne McBride this week. So I'm going, instead of going like one, two, Addison three, four, and you're going down the line. I'm going the other way. Um, hoping people will be stick, you know, stick along on the journey until we get to like the, you know, maybe the good stuff, if you want to call it that, like Jordan Addison. But uh, so I wanted to go and we're going to look a little bit into Dwayne McBride. Now, uh, full disclosure, I am not a player scout and I don't play one on two old bloggers. <laughs> so, you know, well, uh, you know, I'm not going to get in depth about like, Oh, how does he hit the, the hole and the zone running scheme and all that shit. Uh, I, I'm going to be just looking at it as a fan uh, and like 
what does he do well based on what I've seen? What maybe does he doesn't, what doesn't he do well? How might he fit with the Vikings in 2023 and what kind of role would he have? So that's how I'm going to look at it. Um, if you want to get like deep dives, I'd suggest tuning in to the real Forno show here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Tyler will be, I'm sure he'll be breaking down Dwayne McBride again. I think he's already gone whole hog into Jaron Hall, his, uh, his, uh, <laughs> man, his man crush. Yes. <laughs> But well, and tomorrow, speaking of Tyler and breaking down, he's going into Jordan Addison. He sent me a good, I think it's 20 clips, play clips, that we're going to be loading up and dissecting tomorrow. So it should be interesting to see. So I'm going to go into Dwayne McBride, and I'm sure yes, lots sir. of people will have their opinions too. But, um, you know, uh, Dwayne McBride selected – Seventh round, 20, 222 overall in the draft. Uh, I don't. I would. I guess it would maybe not a surprise at that at that stage because at that stage, you know, the Vikings are just looking probably for the best player who's available at that time. And we know Quasey was jumping up and down when he saw that McBride was available and saying this guy is just too good a value to pass up at this time. But but we know that the Vikings. You know, drafting McBride, we've got a pretty crowded running back room right now. Still got Dalvin Cook. Um, I'm expecting that that won't be the case once we get to June 1st and beyond. But as of right now, Dalvin Cook is is still with us. You've got Alexander Madison, who re-signed in March. And then you got Ty Chandler and Kenny Wongwu, who are also with us. And now you've got McBride uh, drafted. So, like, where does McBride fit into this very That's crowded? That's five plus C.J. Hamm. Yes, but I mean, Ham's a fullback and he ain't carrying the ball very much. Uh, he, he's just the guy that Cousins is going to dump off to. <laughs> he can catch the ball and he's special teamers. Yes, we know. And he can block like a mofo. Mm-hmm. I love CJ Ham. Um, anyway, so, you know, just a few things. Dwayne McBride, just kind of a few facts about him if you haven't already looked at it. But he's a uh, McBride is a three star recruit coming out of. Vanguard High School in Ocala, Florida. So as a three-star recruit, not highly, highly, like it's not a one-star, but he wasn't like a a stud five-star guy. And that's probably why he ended up at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, is that he's a three-star recruit. But, you know, 7.3 yards per carry average uh, during his career, that is smoking good. Actually, that's 11th best all-time in FBS history. Mm -hmm. Uh, The downside of that is I was looking at those top – top 11 and uh, there ain't no hall of famers <laughs> amongst that. Uh, you know, uh, Reggie Bush was there. Javid Best was there. Uh, Greg, Greg Pruitt was probably the best. Ah, I love Bush. Greg Pruitt. I saw him as a yeah. kid in Oklahoma. 1970. Anyway, uh, but still pretty impressive. Uh, his uh, 17, uh, 1,713 yards last year was third best in the nation. He also had 19 TDs, which is a, ginormous amount of touchdown rushing touchdowns uh, pro football focus had him graded 94.1 so that was third best amongst running backs that they graded the only guys that were better were blake corum from michigan who's really good and bajan robinson guy. Might, yep. yeah bajan robinson who you might remember got picked like in the what was it eighth overall or something like that in the in the first round uh and drew and i do see that you're there and uh, Bajan Robinson is considered like one of the best running backs, probably the best running back to come into the draft since Saquon Barkley. Or at least since Adrian so, Peterson, yes. 
Yeah. So that's pretty good company to be in. <laughs> uh, also, as Norse Force says, it's the yak. His yak number is stupid good. Exactly. Like Tyler mentioned it last week, but I'm going to mention it again. 4.6 yards after contact. That was highest in the nation. Uh, and uh, super, super strong. Uh, he's He benched, I think, 385. He's benched 385. Now, keep in mind that he weighs 210 pounds, so he's like benching that's a large, large, um, like he's benching well, almost, almost two times his weight, mm-hmm. almost double his weight. Uh, and, and he uh, doesn't clean look, jerk. Look at this image. He does not no. look that big. Um, benching upper body wise or thighs. That, uh, squatted around, squatted 550 apparently. Mm-hmm. So he's got uh, great, great natural strength. Like you said, he doesn't, like Dalvin Cook is, looks more ripped than Dwayne McBride does, but really, really strong. Um, so a super productive back, uh, very strong, uh, looking at the, you know, looking at the kind of game highlights that I was uh, games that I was able to see, um, you know, you know, his, the strengths that are mentioned in his scouting report are pretty apparent. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the talk of, you'll, you'll read in every scouting report on Dwayne McBride is that contact balance is unreal. And when I was watching his games against Georgia Southern, against, against LSU, against, uh, Western Kentucky, there was a couple of others, Louisiana Tech. Like that is true, very, very true. Rarely does a tackler, the first tackler, take Dwayne McBride down. And if even if they do stop him, arm tackles just don't work on this guy. And even if they do get him down, he's never just stopped in his track. He's usually taken that tackler and others for a yard or two ride. Uh, that's a positive. Uh, and I think and, that's and where his his, his avail- availability to spin, or a, not availability, Abilities to spin is remarkable. If you ever watch his clips, the the dude's a spin meister, like Chuck Foreman. Yep. It's a wham, 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 wham. And that helps so much because it's hard to tackle somebody that's spinning. And I think, but that speaks to his balance too, right? Like he's spinning sometimes uh-huh. off a tackle. Instead of getting bounced back or knocked down, he's able to stay upright, spin, and get a bigger gain. So, uh, you know, that that's something that's going to be something that's going to be tough for NFL defenses to deal with, especially because tackling in the NFL right now is probably at maybe the lowest it's, you know, it's ever been. Like, def- NFL defenses are not tackling very well. If he's, he's like, like Barry, Barry Sanders, Sanders uh, that would be something, Davey. Um, Barry Sanders was the most elusive back I've ever seen in my life. It was he was unbelievable. Him and Sweet. Nobody like him. Nobody like him. Just if he's that, I'm cool and I can deal with the fumbles. And yes, Brian, you brought up the fumbles. We'll talk about that momentarily. Um so the contact balance, the spinning ability. Another thing I noticed in watching him is that he's really good at, you know, the the run will be going designed to go one way. Mm-hmm. Nothing's there. Dwayne McBride will like stop on a dime. And he'll reverse field and go to the weak side. And he's able to uh, outrun the pursuit, outrun the angles, and get a good positive game a lot of the time. Um, now, that's a risky thing to do at the NFL level uh, because you're, you know, <laughs> sometimes that can lead to, to losses. But but that also, you know. Backside defensive end going, lunch! <laughs> yeah, exactly. But on the same point, like, you know, at, at the NFL level, you've got to be able to recognize when – 
at, you know, reverse field and hit uh-huh. hit a hole on the weak side when something isn't there where the the play was designed to go. Uh, that's something that really stood out for me to McBride. Another thing was that like really, you know, he's five ten, about two two ten, two eleven. I think he he, he weighed two eleven or something, two twelve at the combine. Right. So, but not not a not he's not like the six one Adrian Peterson, big big back or Derrick Henry, 6'3", 250-pound big back. But because that size helps him, because he's got that a weird ability to like, there's like this little, little crease in the offensive line. He sees it, and he can kind of get through it, wiggle through uh-huh. it, move his body in a way with forward momentum, and then come out, pop out the other side, and get a positive big gain out of that. That was something I noticed that he's got a real good ability to do. And the other thing is that he's been criticized for not having the home run you know, he's not a home run hitter. He doesn't have the home run burst. That is true. You'll see that often he gets caught from behind on his long runs. Uh, so he's not like Dalvin Cook, who once Dalvin Cook is gone, he's gone. You ain't catching him. Or Adrian Peterson. Once he's gone, forget about it. Dwayne McBride is not that kind of guy. But I don't see that as a big deal. Like he's still, in what I watched, got lots of big chunk runs. And so, yeah. They're not turning into touchdowns all the time, but they're still huge positive gains, and he got a lot of them. And so I think that you know it's not like he's not uh, an explosive, hasn't been an explosive back at the college level. He has been, just he doesn't take it to the house a lot. I do want to address the argument going on. If you notice when we talked about the best backs and we're talking about the shiftiness and we talked about Barry Sanders, I did mention – and sweetness, because those two backs, they're special. Now, everybody's arguing, was sweetness better than Sanders, or Sanders better than sweetness? They're both fantastic. They're yeah. both, you know, you know, those of us that are old enough and privileged to remember watching them, God, they were great. So, and those that are not that old, I suggest you go onto YouTube and look up some of those films. Look up the highlights of... Walter, and look up the highlights of Barry and look at them both, and they're just things of magic and beauty. Uh, by all means, do that. Unfortunately, you'll see a lot of uh, photos of uh, Minnesota Vikings defenders not taking them down in those highlights, too. Uh, but anyway, um, so those are the strengths that I've seen of McBride. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the, the weaknesses are like the one thing, and it's been brought up a number of times, is that uh, we. We don't pass catching. He caught five passes in three years at University of Alabama, Birmingham. We talked about that before. He only got targeted nine times. That is like that is like a ridiculously low number. Um, University of Alabama did not throw the ball very much. I think the average over multiple years. Yeah, they they averaged twenty eight pass attempts last year. But uh, but so the thing is, is that nobody knows if if McBride can catch the ball out of the backfield, and that's a huge you know, downgrade for him in today's NFL. You need a a running back who can run the ball, but also be able to catch it. Uh, The thing is, I don't know. I don't think we know if, if UAB didn't throw it to McBride just because he can't catch, or they didn't throw it to him because there was no point. Just hand him the ball and he'll get stuff. That was part of their offense. They, they were, they were run. They weren't, they were a run first. They used him as a weapon as they did. They weren't, a traditional pro NFL pro style offense where you're throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. I think that's more on the offense. However, it does raise some red flags 
and whether he can catch, I've been told he does have the dropsies. So he's going to have to learn on that, but he's got time. Uh, he's the seventh round. He does. Yeah, and, and that's what the part of the, his offseason should be if I'm Dwayne McBride. And I'm in every workout that I have outside of what the team is doing with me, I'm getting got somebody to throw me the ball and throw me in a way that you'd expect to be get the ball in a Kevin O'Connell offense. And I'm get you just reps, 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 so that you get comfortable doing it. And then, and in then afterwards, camp, jugs machine. Yeah. And then in training camp and, and training camp and preseason again, reps, 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 give him a chance to get lots of opportunities to catch the ball under live fire, under guys trying to take his head off and see how comfortable he gets at it. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it, especially with the coaching that you should be getting at the NFL level. So I'm, you know, it's a concern, but I think that it's something that can be corrected. Um, And he's just going to have to work on it. The same with the fumbling issues, David, Uh, he had, five 11 in his last two seasons and five last year and six in 2021 and we just know that ball security is so so important at the nfl level right now games are so close teams just will not um you know tolerate a running back who puts the ball on the ground frequently like dalvin cook last year and 264 carries fumbled the ball four times and we as fans thought that was way too much and that's in a 17 game season so Dwayne McBride has got to fix this because if he puts the ball on the ground a couple of times early in training camp or in preseason, he's not going to get on the field again. Uh, Mm -hmm. But again, I think, I think that's correctable. If I'm Curtis Modkins, the Vikings running back coach, I'm like, every time he's in the facility, I've got, give him a ball and I'm telling people to rip it out of his hands. Like when he's in the lunchroom, when he's in the watching film, anything, same thing at OTAs training camp, get him the ball, instruct coaches, players to come by and just try to rip it out of him. Just make it like the number one focus that he has, that he's always mindful of it, that he's always aware of it and make it second nature that I got to be protecting the ball as best I can. And hopefully it won't impact his running style and it, and the other things he's got to see. But I think, again, this is a, this is a focus thing. This is a rep thing. It's fixable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like the last thing that. When I joined the army yeah, and Davey may remember this, that. When we were issued weapons, we had to sleep with those suckers. We had to make sure that we had control of that at all times. And if somebody tried mm-hmm. to take it, you better not let it go. And he needs to do that with football. Sleep with it. You know, have it with him all the time. Take it everywhere. Learn to do things one-handed because he needs to be able to hold on to that ball no matter which hand he used. Right-handed, right-handed, left-handed, left-handed, both hands, cross. Either way, he's got to be able to do that. And Davey, they don't practice strip deals? Yeah, they do. They bang them with the little foamy thingies and all that stuff now. It is a lot more gentle, if you want to call it that, nowadays than they used to before. I'm talking about about making this a 24-hour thing, though. 24-hour, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. He's got to keep that constantly. Like it's a little baby, you can, and he doesn't want to drop it. Yep. I mean, you could work on it in, in practice, sure, but you, you're also going to have to work on a lot of other things in practice. So, uh, Giotano has that, it right. Tiki Barber had that same problem, and they worked on it, and it was fixed. It was fixed. Um, so fumbling, 
pass catching, yeah, those are, are issues of concerns. I think the other thing that's going to come up is that the level of competition that Dwayne McGuire played at. Conference USA is not the SEC. It is not the Big 12. <laughs> uh, and 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 he only played two Power 5 schools in his three years at UAB. In 2021, they played Georgia. And that game, he had 13 carries for 61 yards, so pretty good. Last year, they played LSU, 13 carries for 34 yards, not as good. Um, now, the thing is, both of those games, UAB, as you would expect, got smoked. So the running game was out the window early in those contests. But when you're uh, when you're playing Western Kentucky all the time, North Texas, Texas San Antonio, those teams in the Conference USA, USA those most of those guys ain't playing on Sundays at the NFL level. St. George's school the from the blind, like Michigan, always opens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The LSU's, the Georgia's, the Alabama's. Those are the teams. If you're playing them regularly, I think you're as a as a NFL scout, as an NFL coach and GM. If if the player like Dwayne Wright is is getting the kind of numbers he got against Western Kentucky, if he's getting those against Alabama and LSU, you're like, yeah, man, this guy is going to produce at the NFL level. I'm very confident about that. So I think the level of competition is something that we're still going to have to sort out, but uh, and that's a concern. But we've seen lots of guys from small schools. Uh, who who take it to the next level and they do well. And I, you know, I feel with his strength, with his running style in the right situation, he's, he's comfortable in running all kinds of different schemes, particularly the zone running scheme. Um, You know, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he was mostly aligned in like a pistol or shotgun formation. So he didn't get the ball from a quarterback under center, like he's going to do in Minnesota. So that's another thing, but you know, he's got a lot of strengths. I think, you know, the thing now is like, where, what is his role going to be with the Vikings in 2023? And if Dalvin Cook stays, which I don't think is going to happen, I don't think he's going to have much of a role. No running back besides Dalvin Cook is. But if Dalvin Cook is gone, his first order of business is beat out Kenny Wongwu and Ty Chandler mm-hmm. and then go from there and go from there. Because I think Madison, if Cook is gone, Madison's probably the starter right now, but not necessarily the starter in game three or four of the season or, or whenever that's where McBride, if he can show, and he's going to get a lot of playing time in preseason in those three games. If he really, if he really shows, if he really does some things that make you go, wow, then he's going to be, and he doesn't put the ball on the ground. I think that he's going to quickly emerge as a guy who's like the number two running back uh, behind Madison and maybe (laughs) challenging for more. Ty Chandler may have something to say about that. This is going to be true. This is going to be one of those battles when we go through camp in the preseason to watch that we're going to highlight because it's going to be fascinating to see how these guys are competing against each other. Who does best? We're going to be sitting there watching these preseason games and going, this guy got so many carries, he did this. This guy got so many carries, he did that. Which team was he on? Was he on the first team, second team, third team? Love the allergies in the spring. Mm, yeah. uh, and uh, got a deal, but it's it is. This is one of those areas I look forward to watching this fall. Let's tag it to say, hey, this is going to be one of those competition in the groups that's going to be fascinating to watch, and it's not going to be boring or left two guys that like to focus on, let's say, the offensive line. Right? There's no competition on the offensive line this year. Yes, am I going to watch the offensive line? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Is there any big battle for it? No. So I'm going to be looking at where's there's battles. 
when it comes to the offense, there's battles at running back, and there's going to be battles for number two wide receiver to see who goes there. Uh, but at running back is going to be really fascinating because it is basically wide open. We expect yes. Alexander Madison to win it um, because of what they paid, and he's been around, and we know what he does. But th- that whole backup situation, whether it's Kenny, whether it's Ty, whether, you know, it's the new kid, it's going to be fun to watch. And with the, we know, Dave, with the, you know, the high, um, the high rate of injury at running back that your starter, there's a good chance that starter is going to miss a game or two or maybe more. And you're going to need running back two or maybe even running back three and running back four to get a significant amount of snaps. And they got to be able to perform when they get them. Mm-hmm. Aaron's drinking Yingling beer today. For those that you were questioning, questioning what I was drinking and Justin asked, I'm drinking tequila. It is, uh, we had Cinco de Mayo a few days ago, a couple days ago. I am carrying that on till today to help celebrate. The nectar of the guave plant is fantastic when it is fermented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Aaron's excited to see Chandler, aren't we all? Davey's talking about McKinnon. McKinnon, it was wonderful we was with us, got injured, obviously, in San Francisco, and love to see his late career flourishing. He's got himself a ring. Happy for him. Other than that, he's no longer a Viking, so wish him luck, but that's it. Well, yeah, he hasn't done too badly for himself in Kansas City anyway. Nope. And uh, Giotano Mahomes makes a lot of people look great. So, yep, and go with that. That brings us to the end of the show. We've gone through all three themes. We've got more coming this week. First off, I want to ask everybody who listened to the podcast-only episode where Wesley Coleman joined me for some questions on our guys that we drafted from LSU. Did you find that helpful? Did you enjoy it? Did you catch the little dig at the beginning talking about the the Saints and college football in Louisiana, and at least the college level, is good. Wesley smiled and laughed when I said that. It was wonderful. Hopefully, you'll join us this week. We have Tyler coming tomorrow. Like I said, we're talking Jordan Addison, breaking down plays. i got 20 clips to load. Thanks, Tyler. Um, and we'll go on from there. <laughs> Who have we got next week there, Darren? Who are you focusing on? I am going to be focusing on Jaron Hall, the fifth rounder. So uh, it's quarterback, so everybody's always interested in the quarterback. doesn't matter where, what round you draft them in, right? And, and so that is the, the next draftee that I'm going to be um, having some, you know, talk about, focus on, have a talk a bit. We'll talk a bit about him, see what other people think about Jaron Hall, too. I know a lot of people like him. Um, even with even with his size limitations and some of the other flaws that have been brought up. But he's a hell of an athlete. Well, we'll find out. Any last words here, buddy? No, but to just um, uh, I think, you know, our 
our new venture, you know, ourselves and Tyler, the real Forno show, we're, you're pump, we're pumping out a lot of content, particularly mm-hmm. you guys and Tyler. And I hope people keep on tuning in and, uh, and listening to us and listening to the podcast and watching our shows because uh, we ain't stopping. We're just going to keep on going. Yep. And we want to acknowledge Vikings first in school. We've gone over 500 and I think it was 73 subscribers. We appreciate that greatly. We're just over 500 on the weekend. We had a, a big watch over the week. We appreciate it. Love it. It's great to do. We're heading towards a thousand, thousands once we get monetized on YouTube, but we still need to listen to the podcast. So always remember, if you can't catch us all on YouTube or you want to listen to it again, catch us on podcasts. Please subscribe, if anything. That's the key. Um, just subscribing and the downloads helps whether you listen to it or not. But I want you to listen to it. It's a great diversion, especially at work. It does great. And it yeah. gets us our beer money. And uh, both Darren and I appreciate the beer money. However, tequila is good, too. So it is what it is. Now, we wish you all have a great week. Join us tomorrow night on The Real Forno Show. Tyler, like I said, will break down Jordan Addison. I don't know if he's going to have bigger crush as he has over Jordan Hall, but we'll find out. Or Jalen Hall. Jalen Addison. Jordan Hall. Whatever. A lot of J's. And we're <laughs> going to have fun. Anyway. Jacqueline Roy, too. Yep. And next week. Oh, that's right. Next week, I do believe it is Mother's Day, Brian. Thanks for reminding those that have mothers. Please pay them the appropriate attention. And as always, what do we say, buddy? We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcast as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! Everybody!